Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Leicester Square Theatre for the one-night-only London Festival of Extreme Macrame. If you would now all pick up your string, your chainsaws and your nunchucks and remove the leashes from your crocodiles, we can begin making this week's decorative trivet. Sorry, that's, uh, that's tomorrow's show. Um, let's try this one. Uh, good evening, London. Welcome to the inaugural live stage edition of Celebrity Stockholm Syndrome. Over the next three years, we will find out whether former US teen pop sensation Glenn Medeiros will gradually, if counterintuitively, fall in love with his celebrity captor, the Austrian Nobel Prize-winning playwright and novelist Elfrida Jelinek, while she keeps him manacled to an industrial boiler. Here lies... So, it's not that one. That's a shame. I love that show. Uh, let's, uh, let's try... Uh, let's, uh, let's, uh, let's try... Uh... <laughs> oh. Here it is. How do I put it? A buggle? Is it? Bougle? Chris, can you please introduce the show? Ladies and gentlemen, this is the Bugle. (laughs) The Bugle, audio newspaper for a visual world. Hello, Bugle! Uh, play f***ing loud um, Hello Buglers, how are you all? One at a time please, that was incomprehensible uh, Welcome to the Bugle Live here at London's historic Leicester Square Theatre I am Andy Zaltzman and this is issue 4060 of the world's leading, longest running, most spiritually enriching and only audio newspaper for a... You're very well trained. Uh, Thank you all for coming to see the visual version of a show that is fundamentally defined by its status as an audio-only experience. So to reward you people who have bothered to come to the live venue tonight, uh, you will be able to hear this show in three dimensions if you put on your special one red, one green earphones. And now listen as the microphone gets closer and closer and closer. It's like Jaws 3 all over again. Um... It is the 22nd of... In the year 20... You guys know your stuff. That's really impressive. And if you don't believe that is the actual date, here's proof. Uh, what do you, uh, how, how do you all think Brexit is going? Yeah, and I reckon historians could carbon date that noise to approximately <laughs> one week around now. So it's the 22nd of February. Uh, well, on this day in 1632... The uh, Italian celebrity physics star Galileo Galilei published his smash hit, Dialogue Concerning the Two Chief World Systems, Galileo, or Double G, as he was known, um, for any boxing fans out there. Also known on the pro science circuit as the Tuscan Telescope, Senior Science, and the Big Fizz. Um, Galileo, that's spelled with a PH and a Y at the start. Uh, he was. Um, <laughs> Uh, he judged the big final showdown between the old Ptolemaic system, which held that everything revolved around the Earth, and the hip, new but still inexperienced Copernican system, which said that the Earth revolves around the Sun. Uh, Double G called a fight in favour of Copernicus. <laughs> and against Ptolemy. <laughs> yeah, take that, Ptolemy, a geocentric second-century loser, with all due respect. 
Uh, modern scientists uh, do now have the belief that both were wrong and the universe actually revolves around sport. Um, <laughs> trust me, I'm a scientist. Uh, Galileo also studied, uh, amongst uh, other things, speed and velocity, gravity and free fall and projectile motion, making it a tragedy that he died in 1642, just 376 short years before the Pyeongchang Winter Olympics. <laughs> Because it sounds like that would have been right in his wheelhouse. He would have crumbled his rhubarb over that. Uh, he also studied inertia, so he might even have enjoyed the curling. Um, <laughs> today is also World Thinking Day. No, you didn't need to respond to that verbally. Um, and so uh, we are giving away this week on the Bugle three, uh, three free thoughts, including... Hmm. And... Ah, and, oh yeah. <laughs> As always, I'm 43. <laughs> what am I doing with my life? No, it's good, it's fine, keep doing Oh, thank it. you, yeah. that's right, yeah. As always... Uh... Please don't stop now. <laughs> yeah, if I go down, you're coming with me. So, um... As always, the section of the bugle is going straight... I can't hear you in the what now? The what? The, yeah, the bin, correct. Um, this week we review London Fashion Week, um, including the... Uh, which... Um, why are you laughing at that? Um, um, very successful new event, I don't know if you saw it this week, the head-to-head uh, -head doubles fashion, in which uh, Team GB's Amelia Wickstead paired up with uh, departing Burberry boss Christopher Bailey to take on the American design duo of uh, Helix Tremet and Clulux Flombard from the big-hitting Unwearables label. Um, all looked good for the home pair as Wickstead distracted the Americans with some sparkly silver thread, enabling Bailey to get his hands on the always crucial sewing machine. But uh, Tremet literally played a blinder by encasing Bailey's head in ribbons and claiming it was a hat. Uh, final score, nil-nil. Um, and uh, also in the bin, uh, it wasn't just London Fashion Week, it was also London Dietary Fads Week. And uh, we look at the latest uh, dietary uh, trends uh, here. Is anyone on a trendy diet here? No, literally no one. Just, um, uh, well, some, some big new ones coming out uh, this week. Uh, the Sledgetarian, in which you uh, eat meat, but only whilst sledging it in the manner of an international cricketer. Uh, call yourself a f***ing steak. I've seen more meat on a, on a moth. Um, the, uh, the Hegan diet, we heard about the Hegan diet, in which you uh, eat meat but only from male animals. Um, taking down the patriarchy one sausage at a time. Um, the... Uh, <laughs> uh, the Magitarian diet, that's uh, you only eat food as eaten on screen by Madge Bishop in Neighbours. Uh, can't believe she's gone. Uh, the 5-2 diet, has anyone tried that? It's where you have to uh, eat as if your favourite football team has just been hammered 5-2. <laughs> you pick miserably at your food thinking, I know objectively it was an exciting game for the neutral, but I am f***ed off. <laughs> uh, the, uh, here's a good starter diet, the gluten-free diet, in which you don't eat any tins of glue. That's uh, a good one to get started. We'll give you a sense of oh. achievement. F*** you, Chris! <laughs> These people are right all along. Yeah. It's too early in the show to react like that. It was, I just couldn't help it. It just came out. 
Um, also, uh, uh, well, following on from the highly success- successful kosher diet, uh, the nosher diet, which is the same as kosher, but ignores all the rules. And um, <laughs> I found it works pretty well over the years. And uh, also, uh, halal. Um, in which you, you have to make sure an animal is laughing out loud at the moment of slaughter. <laughs> so that it dies happy. Dies happy. A happy animal is a tasty animal. So. Very good news for cow clowns. Uh, mostly rely on slapstick jokes about what happens when your udders get stuck in a milking machine. So, uh, right, those sections are in the... Right, it's now time to meet uh, our two gladiators for this evening's fight to the... Sorry, our two guests for this evening's show. First, is it a bird? Is it a plane? No, it's a human being. But not just any human being, a specific human being from London. It's Nish Kumar! Welcome back, Nish. I mean, for, for, I mean, I, I'm assuming that given that you're here, uh, you understand that joke. But if you don't, that is absolutely oh, inexplicable. Uh, for the benefit of the listeners, uh, the people of the Leicester Square Theatre are being treated to a string of, and I emphasise this heavily, photoshopped images uh, of naked with Nish. Is it nude with Nish? It's nude with Nish, yeah. Um, I mean, the second one is... I, I don't know how they've done it, but it's worryingly accurate. <laughs> I'm in better shape than I th- remembered. <laughs> um, how are you, Andy? I'm well, thanks, Nish. F*** you, Chris. F*** you, Nish. Since I last bugled, I have, uh, in uh, open defiance of my Hindu upbringing, been having several beefs. <laughs> <laughs> It has been Beef City at Kumar Towers. Holy shit. Uh, I've been doing a television programme that has upset quite a lot of people. <laughs> uh, it, start, it started with Piers Morgan, uh, who uh, we, we photoshopped an image of... Uh, I mean, there's no uh, kind way of putting this. Uh, absolutely neck deep in Donald Trump's ass, um, which... <laughs> He got upset about, and then uh, Labour MP Kate Hoey uh, posted a clip of the show on Twitter saying, is this what I pay my licence fee for? And the answer is yes. It turns out the BBC's entire budget is being funnelled into an obscure late-night comedy show. Uh, We get 95% of the budget, and uh, the rest of it just goes on the news, Blue Planet and Sherlock's hats. Um, And then I've sort of resumed my Twitter beef with uh, Piers Morgan because he slagged off John Oliver. He's been slagging off John Oliver for saying we and us in America. Now, Andy, I consider the Bugle and Bugle listeners and everyone to be my immediate family. And as such, (laughs) we'll be borrowing money from all of you at some point. But now, we are allowed to slag John Oliver off. He's ours. We're allowed to call him Johnny Showbiz, make fun of Love Guru, and remind him that I absolutely bossed him on the football field. (laughs) But that's because he's one of us. F*** you, Morgan! Burn in hell! Uh, 
Also, I mean, he's been there a while. It's been 2006, uh, and he's you know, got his green card years ago. The yeah. world's tersest resignation note. Yeah, exactly. The man's a f***ing joke and a traitor to his country. But again, we can say that. We're allowed. <laughs> and uh, also uh, joining us today, representing the world's second greatest lateral hemisphere. Still... <laughs> Still, it's on the podium. That's all that counts. <laughs> podium finish is a podium finish. Claire Balding will be getting very excited. Uh, uh, sticking it to the equator by still trespassing on our bit of the planet, it's Alice Fraser! When she walks, she moves so fast. Hello, Andy. Hello, Alice. Hello, Buglers. Hello, Nish. Hello, Alice. you, Chris. you, Alice. Uh, I gave him a hug earlier and he's got stitches, so I feel like I've already taken my pound of flesh. It's, it's always good when you do a comedy show and the producer turns up literally in stitches. <laughs> so. uh, also, again, for the benefit of listeners, Chris is wearing a uh, Bugle t-shirt with John crossed out. Yeah. So, But we can do that. <laughs> but again, we can do that. We are allowed, peers. We are allowed. It's like when white people criticise Bendit like Beckham. I don't like it. <laughs> I don't so like it one we it's a, yes it is a shit film but it's our film. <laughs> so I, I did find a what can only be described as a large suitcase full of um old bugle merch um that we are selling at this gig <laughs> for the discount price of uh, there we go that's Chris modeling the old uh, the old the uh, projector the program. there we go. <laughs> Slick operation, guys. Um, really slick operation. I think they're five pounds each, but five you paid £20 each? pounds for uh, some extra sticky tape to cross out. John? <laughs> that, that, that is our T-shirt cannon. The human T-shirt cannon. <laughs> Chris, what the first rule of T-shirt cannons? You've got to give it the big build-up. <laughs> <laughs> they're not going to give it back. I mean, that, that resale value of that is literally... Slightly less than we're selling it for here tonight. <laughs> Five pounds. He owes for that. <laughs> what has happened to this show in the last six weeks? What, what have I missed? The tone seems to have wildly varied from what it used to be. Chris is throwing out T-shirts and you're sort of half-finishing your sentences and letting the audience do the rest of the work. <laughs> the opening of this show was like a Robbie Williams gig. It's always been my dream, Nish. <laughs> yeah. you, you are the Jewish Robbie Williams. <laughs> <laughs> Rabbi Williams. <laughs> oh. Well done, Andy. You've finally broken Chris into making puns. That is. <laughs> Don't fight it. Don't fight it. <laughs> well, it is now only 400 Earth Days precisely. Until the 29th of March, 2019, until we Brex free, until we, until we pull the trigger on the trapdoor to catapult us into our new national ejector seat, to blast us into the orbit of Brex freedom, 400 sleeps until we are finally unchained from the dead weights of the European Union that has burdened us so catastrophically for the last 40 years with trade, cooperation, <laughs> improved ham. <laughs> 
<laughs> the irritating legal impossibility of even boiling an egg without explicit written permission from Brussels <laughs> and reliably shaped fruit. 400 breakfasts <laughs> until we finally get to enjoy our own like other space dog moment of pioneering escape to genuine independence. <laughs> Feel that sweet flame. <laughs> woof, woof, blast off. Freedom! <laughs> 400 days, or in layman's terms, 80 back-to-back test matches, which (laughs) makes it seem... (laughs) Makes it seem more bearable. (laughs) You've got a look in your eye of genuine wistfulness, imagining the prospect of 80 (laughs) back-to-back test matches. Think of the stats. I have a dream. (laughs) You're the Martin Luther King of long-form cricket. (laughs) That is going on my poster. (laughs) good because Nish is famous now. (laughs) (laughs) As seen on Piers Morgan's Twitter feed. (laughs) Um, Barely a week goes by in Britain now without uh, some idiot saying something idiotic about Brexit. (laughs) And I mean... uh, Really, uh, there we go. And uh, straight out of the traps today, uh, David Davis, God rest his soul... um, (laughs) If it is ever located. Um, he said uh, he's promised us all uh, that Brexit will not be some kind of Mad Max style dystopia. Stop betraying the will of the people, Brexit. That is what we voted for. Yeah, David Davis, a man who was once a baby so boring that his parents gave him his own last name as a first name. <laughs> has disappointed the nation by saying Brexit will not be a Mad Max-style dystopia. What is the point of a dystopia if it's not a Mad Max-style one? (laughs) All the other dystopias are either boring or terrifying. I mean, he's right, of course. It's not going to be a Mad Max-style dystopia. It's far more likely that Brexit will be an H.G. Wells time machine-style dystopia. (laughs) You know, H.G. Wells' Victorian science fiction novel where increasing disparities in wealth between the rich and the poor will lead to humanity evolving into two different species, you know, the Eloy and the Morlocks. Yep, them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So the, the Eloy are a fat fruit eating rich people who just sort of waft about being beautiful and useless like Gwyneth Paltrow. And the, <laughs> the Morlocks are ugly underground poor people. And the hideous Morlocks, aka poor people, have uh, basically uh, eat the rich. Right. That is our future. Yeah, it'll have served rich people right if they don't have their act together in time for the future. <laughs> uh, rich people on superfood diets are basically prepping themselves for delicious lunch. <laughs> you know, the trend towards superfoods and expensive acai smoothies mean rich people are hogging all the nutrients and leaving the bad food to the poor. It's an excellent development as we move inexorably towards this dystopian future. It is good to know who will be the most nutrient-dense. <laughs> I'm sorry, this started with Brexit. It went off track into a delicious dystopia. Look, I don't. I'm not saying I want a, to a eat dystopia. Gwyneth Paltrow. I'm just saying I'm just going to leave the words grass-fed <laughs> and let you do the rest. Yeah, of course it's not going to be a Mad Max-style dystopia. I've seen the Mad Max films. There's people of colour in them. <laughs> I don't think anyone. What are you ooing about? <laughs> I don't think anyone. Nigel Farage's idea of Brexit is not Tina Turner in the Thunderdome. <laughs> Also, it's the specificity of it. Like, it's not like anyone has specifically said in public. I mean, we've all thought of it in private, but it's not like anyone was saying, oh, this is going to cause a Mad Max style. It's worrying that David Davis was that specific. It's like if you lend someone a cap and they give it back to you and go, I didn't f*** it. <laughs> You're just immediately like, well, you definitely f*** this cap. And now I have to burn this hat. 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 
I thought you said cat. <laughs> I going to say, and I know, I know how rigorous you are about doing all the empirical research for your jokes. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm the Daniel Day Lewis of cat <laughs> jokes. Nish Kumar would never talk about f***ing pussy. No, 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 I'm sorry, that was too far. You're right. <laughs> um, Boris, uh, Boris Johnson. Um, oh, yeah, what's that to? <laughs> That's uh, going to be the title of series three of the Mash Report, isn't it? <laughs> Basically, basically work for any topical news show, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah. This week what's on What's That, that Up To? <laughs> or the extended edition, What Are Those <laughs> Up To? That'll <laughs> later in the week. <laughs> um, Subcategory of nude with niche. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, Boris Johnson said... Uh, um, well, la- last week now, uh, he-, he insisted that Brexit was not a V sign from the cliffs of Dover, which, as I pointed out in a radio show last week, is my favourite Vera Lynn song. And, um, <laughs> but actually, uh, that is what a lot of people did vote for. Um, it was in some of the UKIP literature, uh, a 300 metre high V sign on the cliffs of Dover made out of pure British oak. The Sinn Féin president said the government does not have a viable plan Again, that was laid out perfectly clearly before the referendum. <laughs> they suddenly come out with a viable plan. That will again be betraying the will of this nation. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's all... It's going about as badly as we thought it was going to go. And just to go back to that V sign, uh, Boris Johnson said that it isn't a V sign from the Cliffs of Dover, but we actually did that. I know that you have just bullshitted about it, but do you not remember Paddy Power erected a giant <laughs> statue of Theresa May flicking the Vs dressed in a Union Jack dress? Like, it, yeah. it literally looked like an EDL member's wet dream come to life. Like, it was, it was really Only with weird. a Thatcher face instead of the Theresa May oh, yeah. face. <laughs> um, Poor old Theresa. But I think if you get a big enough V sign, then, and a large bit of elastic, yeah. then you could use it as, as the catapult <laughs> to fire all the illegal asylogrants back <laughs> to wherever they came from. Andy, in this conversation, we have come up with a more specific plan for Brexit than (laughs) the the entire government. Catapulting immigrants off the White Cliffs of Dover, at least it's a plan. (laughs) Because they've gone for an away day in Chequers. uh, As we record today, they're currently at an away day to sort of hammer out a Brexit policy. Sort of the thing you probably should have done before you started Brexit, like, and it's classic procrastination. Like, I recognise this from any time I have a deadline for anything. You go away, you put it off. If the government are anything like me, within a couple of days, they'll all be collectively masturbating themselves into oblivion. (laughs) My working method is my working method. That would be the perfect metaphor for Brexit. (laughs) (laughs) Just an enormous conservative circle jerk. People are saying what Brexit is and is not when we we know exactly what Brexit is. Brexit is Brexit. Is Brexit is Brexit. An infinite fractal repetition of itself. <laughs> it is the entire country going up its own ass in a like perfect aerobarus of pain. That is a what of pain? Aerobarus. <laughs> oh, are, 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 are you a doctor? <laughs> <laughs> it's a snake that eats. It. Never mind. <laughs> um, Paul Blomfield, Labour's shadow Brexit uh, Bre- Brexit minister, uh, he's said. 
that the time for meaningless sound bites and conflicting statements is over. <laughs> Why was that officially scheduled in? <laughs> what are you up to tomorrow? Oh, I'm on meaningless soundbite duty. <laughs> It's, the away day in Chequers is basically to sort out a rift in the Tory party because basically it turns out there's a group of... Uh, a, an unnamed and unnumbered group of MPs called the European Research Group uh, who are sort of hardline Brexiters and they are led by uh, Jacob Rees-Mogg, a uh, man who has the countenance of somebody who colonised my ancestors, packed Alice's ancestors off to Australia and, let's be honest, was at best ambivalent about Andy's ancestors. <laughs> 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 Let's just say he is on the fence. <laughs> well, on the fence pointing out the ones who are trying to escape. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I could retract that comment. <laughs> now you know recorded. how I feel about everything I say. <laughs> um... Alice, what's the vibe like in Australia? How much of a joke are we internationally? <laughs> I mean, oh. if Australia's finding you funny, you know you're in trouble, but are we, are we a laughing stock? Oh, you're not important enough to be a laughing stock. <laughs> Zing! <laughs> <laughs> you're at best a sort of a wry chuckling stock. <laughs> <laughs> not important enough to be a laughing stock. Oh. There you go, Chris. I believe we've got an episode title. <laughs> like if, if you think of, uh, if you think of uh, the UK and America in relation to Australian politics, the UK is like your ancient great-grandfather who's pretty racist, and America is like your uncle who's really racist. <laughs> <laughs> and Australia is like Australia, which is pretty racist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a little lesson in genetics for everyone there. So, uh, nurture nature. <laughs> I've said it before, I'll say it again. Uh, racism is like cricket, invented in England, perfected in Australia. <laughs> I think now is the time for meaningless sound bites. <laughs> well, let's break for some quick half-time metaphorical audio oranges now, and whilst you're chomping on your citrus, allow me to alert you to a veritable watch of forthcoming other Bugle live shows. The next live show is in Melbourne, Australia. Uh, two of them, in fact, on Sundays the 15th and 22nd of April as part of the Melbourne International Comedy Festival. We'll be at the Udderbelly on London's South Bank again on the 5th of June and the 10th of July. I'm also doing a Satirists for Hire World Cup special there on the 5th of July. And we're back at Leicester Square Theatre on the 13th of September and the 14th of November, plus venturing north to the Lowry in Salford stroke Manchester on the 7th of October. Details floating around various bits of the internet. Here endeth the plugs. Back now to the live show that's actually happened and this bit. In Australia news now, Australian public servants have been told to anonymously report their colleagues if they are wasting time at work or spending too long at lunch. 
to, according to the BBC, to whom I say, keep your bloody nose out of our business, mate. <laughs> Who's dobbing who in? Uh, the Australian Taxation Office sent out a memo to 20,000 staff in December urging them to be aware of workmates' behaviours, encouraging them to report things like inaccurate timesheets or those who read the newspaper for too long. <laughs> The memo has been criticised by people calling it un-Australian because the one thing Aussies love more than mateship and a hard day's work for a fair day's pay is a not very hard day's work for exactly the same amount of pay. <laughs> also, think of the poor tax men. They have to bear the shame of being the villain of every libertarian fairy tale, Beatles song and Jimmy Carr documentary. <laughs> it's a hard enough job to work in the tax office. You shouldn't have to actually work in the tax office. <laughs> In a statement, the ATO, Australia's main revenue collection agency, said, we are proud to have a workforce which seeks to uphold the highest levels of integrity which the community would expect, following with integrity is everyone's business and we continually raise awareness of how integrity matters with staff. Oh, God, you're the tax office already. How have you managed to make yourself sound even more the most boring workplace ever? <laughs> uh, this is... Among the, the warning said you've got to look out for yeah, um, a colleagues who make a habit of taking long lunches. As you say, regularly leave early, spend the first hour at work eating breakfast or reading the paper or all of the above. Uh, I think this might be an old colleague of mine from my 11 and a half months in the real jobs market. But I'll tell you who does... There's two social groups that do all of those things. One, the Queen. <laughs> and two, professional cricketers. The, the absolute pillars... <laughs> Of this nation. Yeah. Long lunches and reading newspapers. I mean, if this policy had been enacted in any of the various jobs I've had, I would have been fired from all of them, as opposed to my actual employment record, which is being fired from most of them. <laughs> <laughs> to give you an idea of how good an employee I was, I once fell asleep on the toilet. <laughs> well, it's interesting you say that, because they've just, uh, the tax office in Australia have just announced a new work-while-you-waz scheme. <laughs> <laughs> In installing um, iPads screwed to the walls above your urinals. They can boost productivity by up to a ten thousandth of a percent over the course of a year. And uh, telephones in to toilet cubicles with the catchy slogan, make sure nature isn't the only call you answer. <laughs> um, and they're also clamping down here, they're clamping down on small talk. Um, because uh, office small talk. Does anyone here just do, do casual small talk in the office? No? Chris, can you get in the microphone? This, this, is the, this is the kind of economic hero this country needs. Small talk's just a waste of time. Well, yeah, but it's a, you say that. And do you know the, the cost of small talk to the economy is £780 trillion pounds a year? <laughs> and that's not a fact, but I will put it on a... I will, I will put it on a bus and then it will become a parcel <laughs> fact. Um, but... So... <laughs> this is going to be part of our new post-Brexit future. Um, uh, small talk is going to be banned to make us more productive as a nation. And instead, uh, everyone will have a lanyard, just has a little badge on it that says, I am fine, my family is also fine. <laughs> yes, I did watch the football. Man United really aren't clicking at the moment, are they? <laughs> make us the greatest economy in the world. I thought Man United was the response to hashtag me too. <laughs> 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 Uh, let's have some Kazakhstan alphabet news now. <laughs> there we go. So that's, uh, that is President Nazarbayev of uh, Kazakhstan, an indisputable power shit of a leader. And uh, he has just issued a decree uh, under which Kazakhstan is changing its alphabet for the second time in a year. 
Whereas we haven't changed ours since uh, oh, about 100 million BC, I think, uh, if, I can, if I can remember the UKIP uh, campaign literature correctly. Um, <laughs> We're changing it after Brexit, though. Say goodbye to French toast. <laughs> That's going to be called Yorkshire bread cake. <laughs> how, how does that affect the alphabet, Nish? <laughs> does French toast have a dodgy it's accent? It's this kind of remoaning. <laughs> That is causing. You're talking the country down, Andy. The, uh, so they got rid of the Cyrillic alphabet last year and they introduced a, a Latin alphabet. Uh, but it had loads of uh, apostrophes in it, which caused national uproar. And mobile phone users complained that the new language forced them to uh, repetitively uh, press the apostrophe thing. On the, I think they might have secretly in- introduced the same thing in Britain, haven't they? Because there's a f of a lot of rogue apostrophes knocking around this country that really shouldn't be there. I mean, I. I just used one erroneously in the word apostrophes. <laughs> yeah, which, which is a plural. It really didn't need an apostrophe anywhere in its spelling. I did it again in its. Oh. I mean, it doesn't matter so much when you're saying it out loud, but the transcript of this is going to really f*** some people off. <laughs> uh, and I spelled the off there with one F. Damn it. I, shouldn't have, uh, I should not have made that kind of mistake. I oh, know I've spelled, I've spelled of H-A-V-E. <laughs> I'm getting so confused now. Balls, two apostrophes, one either side of the S. Sorry, sorry. Sorry, no, no one likes a pedant. Well, actually, it's not completely true to say that absolutely no one likes a pedant. <laughs> Kazakhstan is treating its alphabet with the scorn, derision and lack of respect that we Australians reserve for our Prime Ministers. <laughs> <laughs> the decision was greeted with derision and online petitions calling for the apostrophes to be abandoned. Not only did the system complicate reading and writing, critics said, but it was also introduced without consultation. Actually, there was consultation, but the warring factions couldn't agree on anything because none of them could read each other's angry placards. <laughs> or <laughs> placards. Or... <laughs> <laughs> Okay. <laughs> right, let's move on. <laughs> I'm bringing in the autocomplete joke. You yeah. just, you do the rest. Not, not enough comedians end their jokes by going, you get it. <laughs> <laughs> blah, blah, blah. You get it. I get expect more side. from my audiences. <laughs> <laughs> that is why they do not buy tickets. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, what else? Should we do the Q and A now, or should we? Uh, sure. We, we've got. We've, or should we do? What should we have? Audience Q and A, or gun crime in America? Yeah. All right. <laughs> okay. We, we, for your benefit, Chris is going to edit that out. <laughs> Bad <laughs> audience. To protect you. To protect you. Okay. I just want you to know that <laughs> that that you did not come off well in that moment. <laughs> People, people in Britain really hate a Q&A. And <laughs> <laughs> will do anything to avoid it. As shown by the turnout in our elections and referendum. <laughs> <laughs> Even one Q with a very short A we can't really be happy with. So, um, so um, the question, I guess, that has been swirling around America is, will America ever learn? No. And- well, I think, <laughs> I think the answer is yes, it's already learned, but only some of it has learned. And as the old saying goes, even a well-trained dog likes to roll around in fox shit. <laughs> so, I don't know if I, was, was Aristotle as well? Um, yeah. But um, the, uh, Donald Trump, the, uh, the president, has, um, uh, still doesn't seem right. Uh, has it, it's only been a year. It feels like a decade. <laughs> um... 
just don't say that on an anniversary meal. Um, <laughs> I, I can't wait for our bugle range of Valentine's Day cards. <laughs> um, uh, he said, a gun-free school is a magnet for bad people. Um, yeah, if by bad people you mean pupils and teachers. Um, and uh, but he, he kind of made this uh, suggestion that teachers should be armed. Yeah. Um, and describe them as... Uh, you know, but uh, when he said this, I never said give teachers guns, <laughs> like was stated on fake news. What I said was to look at the possibility of giving guns to teachers. <laughs> if I may. Just... His answer to gun control is the plot of the film Kindergarten Cop. <laughs> Um, only, on, but only the best teachers, the talent, talented ones. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Is this going to attract the right kind of teacher? How was your science class with that new teacher? Oh, Mr. Floggins? Well, he knows all about physics, apart from that gravity makes your foot hurt if you drop a brick on it. He thought the periodic table was a piece of folding camping equipment. And he, and he thought that the reason that eels spawn... That one was a thinker. Don't feel bad about it. It and, was a thinker. And told us that the reason that eels spawn rather than hump is because they're so damned ugly. I learned literally nothing. But he did shoot a pheasant at 500 yards, so we had a nice lunch. The uh, NRA recently awarded uh, Organisation of the Year by Moral Squalor magazine. Um, yet again. Got to admire their consistency. They're always up there. Um, they... Um, They've, uh, a lot of people said there's this kind of hashtag never again. Uh, the NRA, um, uh, they've launched their new hashtag, not until next time. Um, <laughs> a movement of uh, pledging to support no more such incidents and still such time as the next such incident happens. The NRA spokeshooter Harbinger Biblock said, remember, this could yeah. be 100 million years away, so it's fine. So there we go. Everything well, is the head of the, uh, the head of the NRA, Wayne Lapierre, who has a surprisingly French name... Uh, <laughs> He was speaking at CPAC, which is a Conservative Political Action Conference, and uh, he has really gone off on one uh, because he's described... He talked about socialism, which he described as a political disease that's on the rise in university campuses. The only thing that's on the rise in university campuses is students hiding because there's gunfire going on in the f***ing quad. And he then said that uh, he was warning about possible, you know, the Democrats taking over the Senate and enacting gun control. And he said, if these so-called European socialists take over the House and Senate and, God forbid, win the White House, our American freedoms could be lost. Now, what I have issue with there is the phrase so-called European socialists, because only you are referring to them as European socialists. I'm pretty sure the Democrat Party aren't running around being like, we're the European socialists, you know, guys. It's f***ing nonsense. Well, while many people are saying they need to implement stronger regulations about gun laws, other people are saying it isn't the guns' fault. Guns have feelings too. <laughs> You'd think anyone with a heart would be moved to make some sort of logistical change, but, you know, a picture says a thousand words, and if the picture is the picture of Benjamin Franklin on the $100 bill, that's a lot of persuasive arguments for keeping gun laws the way they are. <laughs> it's an interesting argument, the classic guns don't kill people, guns have nothing to do with guns massacres, people would still be doing massacres all over the place if we didn't have guns, so on. Uh, I just don't think I agree with it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, these teen survivors are kind of getting into this. They're marching on the state capitol with thousands of supporters to press lawmakers to take more action on gun control. Uh, and they're fighting against this perception of themselves as, like, classic millennials who filmed or tweeted during the attack. You know, classic millennials who are attached to their phones. Classic millennials going to school, getting shot at, trying to tell their loved ones what's happening with the technology available to them. Back in my day, you had self-respect and a stiff upper lip during a senseless massacre. You'd write a letter and send it out of the school through the sewers by a specially trained postal rat. <laughs> 
But then again, I went to school in Australia and by the time I was in high school, we'd already instituted sensible gun laws in response to a massacre. We didn't have a constitution that's achieved the status of a religious text. And if we did, we probably would not have included the bit about our citizens having the absolute freedom to carry around murder cannons capable of spraying bullets indiscriminately into a crowd. <laughs> well, the... Um the kids got criticised uh, by lots of people, including Dinesh D'Souza, uh, who is an Indian Trump supporter, which is a, another way of saying Uncle Tomas mother. <laughs> um, and he uh, he has apologised for the tweets that he did, and he said uh, while it aimed at, it was aimed at mani- media manipulation, my tweet was insensitive to students who lost friends. So it's pretty difficult to see the target being media manipulation because uh, he was tweeting about uh, kids who were in the school crying uh, in response to Florida State Legislature's decision to not pass any sort of gun controls. And he tweeted, adults won, kids nil. And then, worst news since their parents told them to get a summer job. Take that, the media! (laughs) Boy, that guy zinged the media really good there. (laughs) Dinesh D'Souza, you race traitor (laughs) (laughs) Look, if guns have nothing to do with it at all, which is one of the arguments, then gun laws like those in Australia or the UK wouldn't drop crime in America at all. What they're saying is the problem is Americans. (laughs) (laughs) Like... (laughs) Like, their argument is basically we are so up as a country that nothing you can do will stop us murdering each other in large numbers even if we're left with only paperclips. I'll paperclip you to death, you mother... Axel, the uh, the bobslayer. Are you here? Hello, Axel. Uh, for the member of the British uh, Team GB He's right bobslayer squad. An actual um. sports person. Look at him. Look at him doing exactly what he does in his so-called sport. <laughs> <laughs> Sitting in a chair. <laughs> and this gig is doing what he does as well, in that it's going downhill very far. <laughs> <laughs> The reason that I think the Winter Olympics is not a real sport is because it's either graded in like a hundredth of a second or in out of a hundred completely yeah. randomly for no reason. The split second increments are indicative of sports like luge and bobsled. What's your They're, beef with decimalisation? Well, they, I mean, when there's like a fraction of a hundredth of a second, it is a sport that is not a sport. Like that is a sport where either everyone is equally good or it could be done by a potato sack. Are you going to stand for this? Yeah, are you going to stand for that? Axel, (laughs) Alice is shit-talking your life. (laughs) Quick, run away, downhill. (laughs) (laughs) By sitting still real hard. Has there there ever been... (laughs) (laughs) Has has there ever been an escape scene in a movie, like a a bobsleigh chase? (laughs) Uh, Chris... I think we've uh, we need to end. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we. Uh, no. Yeah. Sorry, I did have some uh, some puns lined up. <laughs> but uh, and which were hooked on the story that Aeroflot have relaxed the ban on people taking small stringed instruments onto its planes, which is a fact. They've basically and uh, yeah. But uh, I think we've got to get our show back on track. Uh, I don't want to. I don't want to loot the crowd. Oh. Uh, but, uh, some people hate hell. puns, and I don't want this to descend into blind, ugly violins. <laughs> but, right. That's it. I ain't no liar. So, uh, right. Um, we are already 18 minutes over. Right. Did you know Nish is into some kinky stuff he, in the dressing room? 
Uh, he's got this inflatable sex mannequin, uh, male one too. There's not much space in the uh, dressing room, uh, but, but particularly with uh, Nish's mandolin. <laughs> Lordy. Okay. Lordy. He, 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 needs, he brings a whole van to fit it in, and he needs two parking spaces, so, uh, so he needs a double bays. Double bays? Okay. You for the second one. I will allow the first one because mandolin. It, there was there was genuine craftsmanship at work there. <laughs> he was telling me earlier. He's very British about uh, romantic things, and he was telling me how much he uh, uh, he's been with his girlfriend now a long time. He says, Andy, she's the best. I, I tell you, I I I, I barely like her. <laughs> oh God. Oh. Anyway, I you know, am I embarrassed by how funny I found that. <laughs> anyway, uh, sorry. Yeah, Stop uh, but, stringing uh, him along. Yeah, I was like... Oh. <laughs> Et tu, Fraser? <laughs> Always me, Nish. <laughs> I was... The uh, uh, problem is I'd stay up all night writing these and um, uh, end up drinking far too, much, uh, far too much coffee, so my wife has, uh, has stopped me having any coffee. She's had to ban Joe. <laughs> but that's it. That's the end of the gig. Right, there we go. That's... That's, are we, that's is it. That, are we really ending We're on really that? done. That concludes... <laughs> concludes... <laughs> sorry, it was a little... Was, yeah, fair. It was, uh, it was a load of rhubarb. That is the national instrument of Afghanistan. That's actually quite good, isn't it? But uh, I'm done. I'll be hard-pressed to come up with any more. Uh, <laughs> right, is it. Right. Bedtime. Uh, thank you very much for coming. Please give it up for Axel the Bobslayer. Chris... Alice Fraser and Nish Kumar. Thank you for coming, Buglers. Until next time, goodbye. Thanks for coming out, Buglers. Goodbye. Hi, it's producer Chris from The Bugle here. Did you know that I have a new series of my podcast, Richie Firth, Travel Hacker, out now? It's the show where Richie Firth and I talk about how to make travel better in our very special way. In this series, we discuss line bikes, Teslas, the London Overground, and a whole bunch of other random stuff that possibly involves wheels or tracks or engines of some variety. God, what a hot sell this is. I mean, you, you, you must be so excited. Listen now. <laughs>